morning, church. Glad you're here this morning. Um, if you're visiting with us, I'm especially glad that you're here. Um, my name is Jeff Adair. I'm a very comfortable youth minister right now. You know, I'm glad God has led us here today to uh, worship. And as you can see, I am very comfortable. This is my comfortable outfit. If you were ever stopped by my house at a day off, I'd be in this outfit. The cool thing is, is I can put this hood up right here, and then I don't have to be bothered. <laughs> it's kind of like I sit at my desk, and Sarah's like, oh, his hood is up. I don't, have, you know, I don't want to bother him. So sometimes it's kind of like a shield. I don't have to do something. So, you know, sometimes, most of us know as followers of Jesus, we have to do things that make us uncomfortable. But Jesus teaches us to do things that the world will kind of seem like countercultural or upside down. So what are we to make of all these things that are following Jesus that make us uncomfortable in these awkward situations? Everybody hear me? Thank you, Jerome. So as you can see, I'm not in my comfortable clothes anymore. But I will tell you, I have learned to be comfortable in these clothes because of the fact that the Holy Spirit tells me that it's okay to get up here and be nervous. You get up here and be awkward sometimes. Now, when I first started coming up here, you probably noticed that there was a lot of sweat coming off me when I first started preaching. Because I was very, very nervous when I first started. But now, maybe not so much. There's still sweat, trust me. Maybe it's just I wear enough clothes that you guys can't even see it. But I want to take the next few weeks to uh, dive into some teachings of Jesus and how it is a comforting gospel, but it kind of makes us live an uncomfortable life sometimes. So today I want to start in 1 Peter chapter 2. Then I'll be uh, going through John, and then we'll be ending up in Matthew. If you guys want to follow along with today. So church... It's not always about our preferences. It's about knowing God and his people. Now, the Apostle Peter, while writing to various churches who were experiencing forms of persecution, shares what it means to be chosen people of God. Starting in uh, verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, Peter calls Jesus the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Now, we are called to be living stones that are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices. Peter is presenting an image of a group of people that is focused entirely on Jesus. It's a community that puts aside their preferences, their quarrels, their comfort zones for the sake of becoming living stones. Now, after Peter quotes from the prophet Isaiah, how Jesus is the precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Peter tells us the purpose of that community, of that group, this holy nation. He tells us in verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And here it is. That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
That's what we're supposed to do as living stones. Together. Be praising and focused on Jesus. So it's about all knowing God and his grace through Jesus Christ our King. Now sometimes we can place our personal desires for what church should be like on that throne. And tempt us to walk away or not attend every once in a while if it doesn't meet all of our standards. Now, the reality, of course, is that that dream church or that perfect church doesn't exist. It's a myth. The reign of Jesus, however, is real and eternal. And becoming living stones and acceptable to God should be our ultimate aim. So instead of trying to form a community around our own desires, we must allow ourselves to be formed by God and his people. Old 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have found one at all. And the moment that I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. However challenging it may be to embrace God's idea of church is far more glorious than any dream church we could ever think of. We are to be living stones that are being built up as a spiritual house, focused on and held together by Jesus, the stone who the builders rejected, who became the cornerstone. Now, this past month, we were able to learn about dating and marriage over at the teen house. You want to talk about uncomfortable? Anytime those two words come up over there, it gets really quiet. Now, Sarah and I were able to share our story of dating and how we've been married. Jordan and Erica Shear came over and shared how they started dating and how they were married. And Sandy Kathleen Harris came over and shared how they started dating. It was great to hear Jordan and Erica talk about how they grew up in the youth group going to church all the time and how they just didn't even have that conversation. Jesus and going to church was just going to be part of their life. And it was especially great hearing Sandy Kathleen because they brought visuals. They brought pictures. So, Jerome... Jason, I've seen your baby pictures. <laughs> they were great. And it was, even, it, was, it was even great because Santa Kathleen, if you ever get a chance to talk to them about it, they have two different stories about how they met. So it's, it's a great thing. It's awesome. It's a great story. Thank you guys for coming over and sharing uh, how a Christ-centered relationship can grow and how important it is to have that um, it's great to see how the teens listened and how they soaked it all in on how to be, uh, how Christ-centered relationships helps everybody's life. Uh, it was amazing to witness the knowledge being passed on to another generation of how important it is to serve another person, to serve a spouse, to give up a part of yourself for that. Uh, you know, the more time I've spent talking to people who have been married longer than Sarah and I, it makes me think of an old saying that just keeps coming more true and true. It says, the grass is greener where you water it. Grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener where you're standing and where you're watering. And we talked about how it usually takes us doing something that we don't normally do to approach that someone that made our heart skip a beat. So stepping out from behind something that's holding us back. Maybe it be uh, insecurities, pride, selfishness, fear. When we step out of our comfort zone, we alone just don't grow. But the people around us do so too. Now, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus is predicting his own death, chapter 12, verse 25, he says, The man who loves his life will lose it, 
while anyone who hates their life in this world would keep it for eternity. Jesus tells us what it's going to cost, him, cost us to follow him, our lives. Now, those are some challenging, countercultural, not very comforting words. But what he's saying is if we love the comforts of this life above all else, we will miss out on the comforts of eternal life. This life is not all there is, and we must live with that heavenly perspective in mind. Now, we grow by leaving our comfort zones and entering into the challenges and discomforts of our faith. Now, when I first started, when I was first baptized, um, they still sent out mail from the church, like actual snail mail, we call it now, and it had the worship lineup in it. So the first time I got one in the mail, I was reading a, uh, reading a scripture that Sunday. Sarah was there, and I looked at her, and I said, well, I'm reading scripture this Sunday. Instantly, sweat started pouring out. And she goes, well, I would just tell them I'm not comfortable with it. And I, said, I looked at her and I go, well, I can't do that. I, I just can't. Because I, I, I had read that, you know, you step out and you do things, you grow. And I wanted to grow in my relationship with Christ. So I got up that Sunday, read a scripture, probably two lines. It was in Mark chapter 8. And by the time I sat down, she even looked at me and she goes, why are you sweating? I, I don't know. But it was, it was like 150 degrees up here, I promise you. It was so hot that day. But I was so nervous. But I got out of my comfort zone. And then what has happened now, Sarah and I's relationship has grown, of course, because we are committed to Jesus. But because I have stepped out and did that, it only started a wonderful journey to where we are now. Jesus teaches us a comforting gospel that leads us to live uncomfortable lives for him. So are you willing to lay aside your idea of a perfect church and accept the hard stomach truths and awkward requirements of locking arms with people, weird people? In common pursuit of Jesus? Before you answer that question, turn with me to Matthew 5. We're going to be starting in uh, verse 33 when you guys get there. We're going to find ourselves in the middle, in the beginning parts of the greatest sermon ever recorded, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. After some difficult teaching about the fulfillment of the law, murder, adultery, divorce, Jesus gets to a part where he wants to unpack the third commandment, which is, you know, use the Lord's name in vain. So he unpacks it for us here. Starting in verse 33, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, of course, verse 37 says, Jesus is not saying just don't use the God's name in vain, but all of our speech should be honest and sincere. And you should mean exactly what it says. If you make an oath or a promise with someone, if you're going to do it, say yes and mean it. If you're not going to do it, then say no and mean it. Are you going to promise to follow Jesus? Don't you guys get your orange communication card out for me. On the back of it, I stop up here. It says you can memorize five, memorize Matthew 537. I want you guys to do that this week. I want us to do that together as a family. I want us to act it. Let your yes be yes, 
Let your no be no. Are you willing to lay aside your life so that you can join arms with God's imperfect people and join together with people you probably wouldn't normally talk to and create a place where we can come and share our joys, burdens, worries, and our cares with one another and begin to build that spiritual house that proclaims Jesus who called us out of the darkness into the light? I want to show you what it means, what I'm talking about here. There's a movie that just came out a couple months ago called The Greatest Showman. It details the life of Phineas Taylor Barnum, or maybe you've heard of P.T. Barnum. guy created World's Greatest Circus. So there's a process to which movies get made. They have these reading workshops. So they perform for this uh, studio people, and then the studio people get together and say, well, yes, we'll make this movie called a workshop. So they see if they'll get a green lit. So the couple that starts talking in this video uh, will we'll kind of lead you into what we're talking about here. The lady that was talking didn't want to come out from behind the music stand, but we'll, we'll see. Benjamin and Justin have just written this new song called This Is Me. And uh, we knew that it was going to be the anthem of the film, um, but no one had heard it before. And no one had heard Kiala sing it live. A Kiala who I didn't even want to come out from behind the music stand. I didn't. I, I kept saying to her, just step out because this is your moment and you have to step out into the ring, metaphorically, because that's what you're doing and you've got to stand right there in front of everyone and just belt this out. And I didn't want to. In fact, I stood behind that music stand yeah. until the day of that presentation. There was a moment in the song that I actually was so scared that I had to actually grab Hugh's hand so that I had somebody to hold on to. And then we got to the end of the number, and all I remember is just deafening, deafening applause. It was a sort of otherworldly experience. It was one of those moments that will stay with me the rest of my life. Unfortunately, we filmed it. I'm a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, we don't want you walking Learn to be ashamed of all the scars. Run away, they say. Yeah.